0: Last Sunday, uh, I spoke about judgment, and after seeing some of your Facebook posts this week, I think I need to talk about judgment again. <laughs> just, just kidding, just kidding. Um, <laughs> actually, so my parents are from this country called Uruguay in, in South America, and um, before they immigrated here, uh, Uruguay was in a very politically tense time. And so, um, as it turned out, um, there was, there was a, a, a swell of popularity on, on one side of the aisle that was starting to take over Uruguay, and that was, that was the preference. And what happened was that my mom was not, was not part of that swell on the other side of the aisle. That was the, the preference, was that you would be from that side of the aisle. And so um, one day, my mom is walking um, by herself, and she notices that she's being followed, and so right away she knows, like, she's, something is wrong, something is up, and so she's, she's staying calm, cool, and collected, and my mom was a black belt at this point in time, so um, she, she could defend herself, but at the same time, she was outnumbered as well, and so she's walking, and she knows that her life is in a little bit of danger, and then finally they, they break out of the walk phase, right? They break out of the walk phase, and all of a sudden, my, my mom is being chased, and so she knows that, she knows that if she can just make it to, to this building, she'll be okay. And so she takes off running, and she takes off running, and she makes it to the building, and as she's running towards the building, she sees that the door is closed, and then what happens? As she approaches the building, the door opens, she gets in the building, and her life was saved, all because... The door was open. The open door, it saved my mom's life. Her life was at risk, but the open door saved her life. And the fact that the door was open, it leads us into our message today, where a woman's faith in Jesus saves her, and it all started because the door was open. Our passage today is Luke 7, 36 through 50. I'm going to break it up as I preach. And so these first few verses say this. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. So here's Simon the Pharisee. And Simon the Pharisee decides to host a party for Jesus. So Simon the Pharisee hosting a party for Jesus. Jesus and a bunch of Pharisees gathered together and then this woman walks in. Have you ever been hanging out with a bunch of close friends and then like, the fringe friend shows up, <laughs> right? Kind of changes the whole vibe of your meeting. It's amusing that when Scripture talks about this woman in uh, this woman walking in, it's amusing that Scripture makes sure to highlight she was a sinner. Now, culturally speaking, there was a reason for this, and yet the reality is this: had anyone walked in, they too are sinners. But given what we know of the Pharisees, it's important to understand what's really happening. The religious guys, the uppity snobs, are hosting Jesus when a woman of terrible reputation walked in. Why is she there? How did she get there? Point number one, I think you know it by now, it's because the door was open. You see, back then, it was a cultural norm when parties, feasts, or gatherings of these sorts occurred, the door would be open so others could enter. Now, I would love nothing more that when we gather here, our community could know that our doors are wide open to them and for them. No one should have to feel that they walked into a room full of Pharisees when they come to church on Sunday morning. Our gatherings to celebrate Jesus shouldn't make people feel like they can't have community in the church. Our door is open for anyone to walk in. You know why? Jesus is here. The door is open for anyone mired in any sin, struggling with anything to join us here because here we worship Jesus. The door is open. hear me out on something. The access is great, Jesus is greater. The access is great, but Jesus is greater. The door being open is great, but it's Jesus' presence that makes the access matter. Understand something, without Jesus being here, the woman wouldn't be there. You think she wants to hang out with Pharisees? No, no. The only reason she's there is because Jesus is there. Without Jesus, the door was still open, but this woman wouldn't have been there. Why? Jesus. Can you say Jesus with me? Jesus. The access without Jesus, it doesn't matter. Only access to Jesus does because of who Jesus is. At this point in time Jesus's fame his acclaim is starting to grow. She heard Jesus was there and she knew that's where I have to go. There was no one's audience she wanted but Jesus. And because the door was open, she had access to Jesus. Again, look at how powerful the draw of Jesus is. A woman with a terrible reputation decides, I'm going to walk into a place full of Pharisees. Why? Only Jesus was there. When you know Jesus is all you need, it doesn't matter who surrounds him, you go. When you know Jesus is all you need, it does not matter who surrounds him, you go. Why? It's Jesus that matters. The access is great, but Jesus is greater. As a church, one commitment we have as a staff is that Jesus is the only stumbling block we want here at Bethany. Any other stumbling block usually stems from the same thing. We have elevated our preferences over people and think that people should bend to our preferences when the reality is our preferences should bow to Jesus for the sake of people. (laughs) Worship based on preference really says, I worship because I value that my preferences were fulfilled, not because Jesus is worthy. Church, let's value Jesus and Jesus alone, that we all might hear and know Jesus is here, but not just us as a church, but that the Pioneer Valley might know that's where Jesus is and that's where I'm going to go. The door is open. Jesus is here. Lives can be changed all because of one reason. Jesus. In fact, look at it this way. I have no doubt, of all the people in the Bible, I have no doubt the Pharisees would prefer that the poor and the sinners wouldn't crash their party. Right? I have no doubt that they would prefer that, but the cultural norm was that the poor and the sinners could crash the party. And so this woman, she hears Jesus was there, and she crashes the party of these Pharisees with Jesus. Well, church, let me tell you the church norm we are committed to here. Our door is open every Sunday to sinners of every stripe, color, and form there is because Jesus is here. The door isn't open to affirm them in their sin, but so that by coming in, they have a chance to meet our singular Jesus. It's not because I'm here. It's not because you're here. It's because Jesus is here that we keep the doors open. That's the only audience that matters. And not only is it the only audience that matters, he is the object of affection, the object of our worship, and the object of our celebration. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And you know what joy is, right? Joy is in happiness, because happiness is based on happenings. And when the happenings in my life aren't going well, my happiness is affected. But joy is Jesus and yourself with nothing in between. Jesus and yourself with nothing in between. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And that's why I opened this morning saying, there is nothing good enough or bad enough that's happened this week that should stop your praises this morning. Why? Jesus is here, and he is the singular object of our worship and our celebration. Jesus being here means We should readily sacrifice our preferences if they become a stumbling block to others because the only presence that gives joy is Jesus. When we lose sight of Jesus, we think how great it is that we hosted a party for him and fed him. We might even have the audacity to think, oh, I provided company for Jesus. We can be in his presence and yet be far from him when we act like a Pharisee. We become a people that worships Jesus with our lips and our hearts are far from him. We've lost the joy that Jesus brings because it's easier to pay him lip service than give him life service. We've lost proper perspective of Jesus. The veil tore from the top down because only Jesus could provide that access. Do you know how many men it took to put the veil in place? 500 men to put the veil in place. You cannot tear that veil under human strength no matter what. The veil tore from the top down to prove that Jesus made a way that no one else could have made. Jesus, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, he made the only way possible because he is the only one that could have when we don't have proper perspective of our access to Jesus, we invert the scripture. We make it more about us and less about him when the scripture says, I must decrease so that he might increase. The door is open, but when we focus on the open door and not Jesus, we compromise the gospel. We cannot emphasize the open door over Jesus. Hearing me this morning, church, the word of God is uncompromising. It will last forever. It is unchanging. We cannot compromise the exclusivity of the gospel just because society and culture are demanding wholesale inclusivity. The church is called to be set apart. I don't care what the world looks like. Christ came to establish a church that would not be influenced or molded by the world, but be set apart. He wants the church to impact the world, not the world to influence the church. Society places importance on the open door, but church, we need to stay focused on the presence of God because it's the presence that matters most, not the open door. When Joshua takes over as leader of the Israelites after Moses' death, he has his first little pep talk with the Israelites, and the Israelites say, listen, Josh, whatever you're saying, cool. Here's what we care about as long as God goes with you. As long as God goes with you, we're with you. But if God departs, we're out. Why, the presence mattered. The presence of God matters. The presence of Jesus matters. And here's why I'm saying this. We're seeing churches compromise the gospel so they can boast of open doors. And yet the sad news is when we boast of an open door greater than we boast of our singular Jesus, the compromise of the gospel serves as an eviction notice to Jesus. Jesus. The compromise of the gospel means Jesus has left that building. The massive open doors these churches brag about are the same ones that Jesus walks out of. Why? When you value accessibility more than the presence, you are more satisfied in who you are without Christ than finding satisfaction in having Christ and being molded into his image. To make accessibility the priority is to lose the exclusivity of the gospel. Yesterday I watched a YouTube video of this guy who visited a church in his hometown. And he goes and he just starts asking some questions. And um, the, the pastor says, Oh, you know, it's it's pre-service, you know, like let me let me talk with you after service. And let me just tell you, church, in general, that is a great rule of thumb to have with your pastors pre-service. It's just Hit us after, right? Um, And so she says, I'll I'll talk with you. I'll talk with you after service. And so he starts asking all these questions. And what caught my attention is the pastor looks at him and goes, listen, we just want you to know whatever your beliefs are, we honor you. What? Why do you call yourself a church if you're just going to honor every belief? And so the guy keeps pressing. And she's like, listen, listen, all ways lead to heaven, Muhammad and and, and Buddha, serve whatever. We honor your beliefs here, but they're all part of the same thing. No, they are not. Jesus is singular in who he is, in what he's done, and there is no one and no thing that can compare to Jesus. We cannot compromise the exclusivity of the gospel just because the world demands inclusivity. When you value access over presence, you cheapen grace tremendously. The reason these open door churches are comfortable in their sin is because Jesus' holy presence is no longer there. When his holiness isn't there, of course you're comfortable in your sin. But when Jesus is there in all of his holiness, yes, conviction is there because sin cannot stand in the presence of Jesus. This is what these open door churches are saying. When you value access over presence, this is what they say. Come as you are, stay as you are, and since God is love, he loves you as you are. You're like, wait a second. Sunday School 101, God is love. Pastor Franco, what are you saying? I'm saying God accepts you as you are but he loves you too much to let you remain cloaked in the identity of sinful nature. Point number two, Christ has a new identity for you. Instead, God doesn't want you to live cloaked in this identity of sinful nature. God wants to give you an identity marked by his true, real, and full grace that transforms you, liberates you, frees you, and releases you to be who God has called you to be. This is why he became sin, so that we might become the very righteousness of God. It is the worst case of stolen identity ever. Jesus took my sinful nature that I might have his righteousness. Jesus took our identity as sinful man so that we might become children of God. Why in the world would you cheapen that? Now, I understand that the biggest struggle of all in our human nature in coming to Christ is this exchange of identity. We live in a world where everything is about your identity and how you identify, and even now, forcing others to accept your claimed identity with how they refer to you. It's a world obsessed with itself, and we've seen churches give way to this by making their doors as big as possible to say, come as you are, but the sad reality is that since Jesus isn't there, they stay as they are. Why? Because it's only Jesus' presence that will convict you that you need to change, that there is a great exchange that happens. I turn in my sinful identity, and I get robes of righteousness that set me apart. Without Jesus, transformation is impossible, which means the best these churches can offer is an open door that affirms you in your sin, which really just means that church doesn't love you. These churches are more interested in helping humanity embrace their own image rather than submit to being molded into Christ's image. They don't celebrate Christ, they celebrate self. And the sad news is this, they're gonna reap the rewards of that. Bethany, let's not be the church that exchanges the truth of God for a lie. Bethany, let's not be the church that conforms to society to please the creation instead of the creator. Bethany, let's not be the church of 2 Timothy that works harder to have an appearance of godliness but lacks the power of the presence of God. Church, with no presence of Jesus, there is no power of the gospel. We must remain sensitive to the presence of Jesus. No matter who surrounds him, let's go where Jesus goes. Let's go where Jesus calls us. Where Jesus stays, we stay. Where Jesus goes, we go. But what matters to us as a church, Bethany, is that we remain sensitive to the presence of Almighty God. Worship of Jesus should always flow from understanding that this great God gives us access to him And that in his presence there is peace, there is power, there is promise, and there is fullness of joy. The only reason the access matters is because of who is there. Had Jesus not been there, this woman wouldn't have been either. It's Jesus' presence that matters. The story continues. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now, make sure we catch this. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus, answering, said to him, Simon, I've got something to say to you. And just to show you how prideful Pharisees are, say it, teacher. Now listen, if I had said something to myself and Jesus goes, I have a reply for you, I'm a little concerned. (laughs) I said it to myself for a reason. And here is Jesus going, Simon... (laughs) You guys know, okay, maybe you're not relating. Have you ever gotten the we need to talk text, right? You get it, and you're like, oh, man, your whole life flashes before your eyes. What did I do wrong? What did I forget? And you're like, I am not ready for this conversation. And here's Simon muttering to himself as a Pharisee, and Jesus goes, oh, ooh, Simon, I've got an answer for you. But again, the pride of the Pharisee. Oh, go ahead. He didn't care that he had said it to himself and Jesus going, no, I heard you and I got an answer for you. No, he's like, go ahead, say it, teacher. Point number three, don't lose sight of Jesus. How much have you lost sight of the value of Jesus' presence when you're more focused on the sinner and their reputation rather than Jesus's? When that person shows up to church on Sunday morning that didn't come dressed right and smells a little funny, if your worship is more, I'm going to keep an eye on this person, you've lost sight of Jesus. The whole reason we're here is Jesus. Right? Like, I remember being a kid and, and one of the churches that my family attended, um, I, I, I admit my worship was distracted. You know Why? there was a flag lady. (laughs) And so she's up at the altar and she's doing this very expressive, if you love flag dancing, I'm not criticizing you just for the record. I am giving you a story of how my worship was distracted as a kid, okay? So I'm there and this woman, like she didn't have a small flag, Okay, like it looked like our US flag outside. Okay, so she's up at the altar, half of the stage is disappearing out of view every time she waves this flag. And of course, like I was like 12, 13, and I'm just like, okay, like this lady's really getting into it. But here's what happened someone saw she could have a flag. So, what do you think happened next Sunday? We had a perfectly balanced altar when it came to flags. Because now, just the right side of the stage having a flag wasn't enough. Now there's a woman on the left side of the stage with a flag. And it it became like a competition, and I can only imagine the pastor must have talked to them because it lasted like two weeks and then there were no more flags. And I, I hope you're hearing me, please, if you're a flag person, I am not criticizing you. All I'm saying is this, it distracted people from worship because honestly, this is teenage me, okay? Not pastor me, this is teenage me. It was like, ooh, look at the move she just did. All right, you're up, Sally. Like, <laughs> right? Like, that, that, was a, that was an amazing little twirl there. Sally, what do you got? <laughs> if You're gonna worship Jesus with a flag. Show me how good you worship with a flag, right? And so what happened? Jesus was no longer the object of my worship. I was more caught up in these two ladies. And of course, if they were going at the same time, pretty much the whole stage was covered. You could hear the worship team, you didn't see them, because there were flags all over the place. And so I was distracted in my worship. I couldn't worship. At this same church, this was hilarious. We are standing, worshiping as a family, and we had no idea there was a guy with a shofar behind us. I thought Jesus had come back. <laughs> We're worshiping, and all of a sudden, and I'm like, what? <laughs> And guys, I'm not talking about like the little six-inch or 12-inch shofar. I'm talking about like a three, four-foot shofar, and this guy put all of his lungs into it. And I got to tell you, same thing. The shofar lasted a couple weeks and then was never seen again. Why? We are there to worship Jesus, no one else and nothing else. And even though you might be able to worship through the twirling of a flag or the blowing of a shofar, the reality is when hundreds of people are in a room and you decide, here's the reason, here's the way that I knew that this guy, like, came prepared to surprise people, like, he had it tucked when he came in. And so he's worshiping the whole time and he's looking fine and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, (sighs) and hundreds of people are going, what is happening? (laughs) We're there to worship Jesus, but these these distractions, they got in the way. Don't lose sight of Jesus. When you're here, you're here to worship Jesus and Jesus alone. I don't care what the person next to you looks like or smells like. Your focus should be on Jesus. If you've ever blown a shofar before, please forgive me. And so this Pharisee He thinks himself better than Jesus because he wouldn't have associated with this woman, much less let her touch him. How sad that is. There is nothing in the Gospels that should lead us to think that Jesus was untouchable. The Pharisee is so caught up in the woman's condition, he loses sight of Jesus. But not only this, he's so caught up in the woman's condition, he doesn't only lose sight of Jesus, he loses sight of his own condition. You know why? The fatal flaw of being human, I'm better than her. I can be in Jesus' presence because I'm better than her. How dare Jesus let that woman touch him with the reputation that he has? I'm the one who's hosting Jesus and having a party for him. Right? Now, listen, I'm guilty of having said this before. I'm sure every pastor can say that they've said it before. But it's an irony when pastors say, hey, God is here to meet with us this morning. Uh, Yeah, first of all, because he's everywhere. Second of all, it's his house. Third of all, you came here. God was already here. You came here, not you came here. And God goes, Oh, let me show up this morning because the lovely little Pharisees are here. So Simon lost sight of his, lost sight of Jesus, but also lost sight of his own condition. Don't forget, when a ceremonially unclean woman decided to grab the hem of Jesus' garment, it wasn't the clean that became unclean, but the unclean became clean because Jesus healed her, cleansed her, and restored her. Why? Jesus is not untouchable. Not only that, The woman who grabbed Jesus' hem, because she was ceremonially unclean, she was an outcast. Society said, you have to stay away from us because you're unclean. But what did Christ do? Listen to me. Christ provided the clarity. Her condition did not have to dictate her crowd any longer. She went to Jesus. Her faith coupled with action, it brought her to within arm's reach of Jesus. And then in faith, she reached out. She grabbed the hem. She's healed and made clean. And after confessing to Jesus that it was her who had touched him, what did Jesus call her? Daughter. Society says you're an outcast. When you grab Jesus, Jesus looks at you and says, daughter. Jesus looks at you and says, son. Not only does he provide the clarity that your condition doesn't have to dictate your crowd, Jesus transforms your crowd. You go from being an outcast to being in the family of God. And there's no better transformation to go from being in exile to being a member of the family of God. Why? We can grab the hem of Jesus this morning and be transformed and receive everything we have to receive. It just requires a faith coupled with action to go where Jesus goes. Simon clearly doesn't have proper perspective of Jesus. And so he mutters to himself... And Jesus, because he's Jesus, says, hey, let me address the massive problem that you have. This is what the scriptures say. That part wasn't scripture. That was me, right? A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. You know what Jesus was really saying to Simon the Pharisee here? He was saying, listen, if you broke one sin, one rule, you're a sinner, which means you are just as much of a sinner as she is. But Can you imagine being Simon the Pharisee, hearing her sins, which are many, are forgiven? And Simon's probably going, yeah, that's right. She does have a lot of sins. And then Jesus provides the mic drop but he who's forgiven little, loves little. Simon, you only love me this much because you think that's all I had to forgive you of, when in reality, I have forgiven you of so much more. But because you think I've only forgiven little, Simon, you love me only little. Simon, you think you deserve to be in my presence more than she does. But Simon, you're a sinner too. You are both in equal need of me. And yet you sit here and think you deserve my company to the point you don't treat me as you should. And the woman you think I shouldn't even uh, allow in my presence has treated me far better than you. Can you imagine Jesus looking at you and telling you someone else treated me better than you? You threw a party for him, You're feeding him, and Jesus goes, the woman you said shouldn't even be here has treated me far better than you. Simon, as is the custom, you should have given me something with which to wash my feet. Did you do that, Simon? Instead, the only reason my feet are now clean is because this woman, the woman you have so harshly judged, her tears... Her tears flowing freely have cleaned them. Regardless of her brokenness, her wretchedness, her past, imagine the honor of holding those feet and not only holding them but washing them and then anointing them with oil. Imagine being a church so grateful in its brokenness that we could openly weep at the humbling honor of worshiping Jesus. But no, what do we see in the American church today? Oh, that's not my favorite song. I'm gonna wait till my favorite song plays. Now listen, I'll be honest. There's some songs that I prefer less than others. But one little thing I do when when a song plays that I'm not like crazy about or whatever, I try and find the scripture in the song so that I can be reminded of the word of God and have the word of God fill me. So if I don't like the rhythm of it or if I don't like the words of it or whatever, I'm finding a way to let that worship Help me grow and help me worship Jesus because I am not here to worship my preferences. I'm here to worship Jesus. We may not be able to physically grasp the beautiful feet of Christ, but we can attain to have the same posture and humility of this woman. But not only does she wash his feet with her tears, but then she anoints his feet with oil. Romans 10.15 asks this question, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Church, we have nothing worth preaching if it wasn't for Jesus who was first sent to us. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is The gospel. Jesus was made flesh to come and dwell among us. The only reason there is anything worth preaching this morning is because Jesus came to us first. So like the word says in Isaiah and then quotes again in Romans, blessed are the feet of those who bring the good news. How much more blessed are the feet of the gospel and the good news itself made flesh here among us and physically tangible. Jesus shared that Simon should have anointed his head with oil, and he didn't. Yet this woman has anointed his feet with fragrant, rich, and expensive oil. And I can't help but think of the fact that Jesus has no problem being associated with the dishonorable, the sinner, and the broken. You see, Jesus is the epitome of the humble servant. It's one thing to anoint one's head with oil, but she anointed his feet. It's honorable to be the head. Have you ever heard the feet discussed as honorable? No. If you're going to sit at the table, you're going to sit at the head of the table, right? Feet are rarely associated with being honorable. And yet here she is, washing Jesus' feet, not just with this oil, but with her tears and with her hair, why she truly valued the presence of Jesus, Simon did not. It's not about the access. It's about his presence. If you want to see the difference between Simon the Pharisee and the woman, understand this. Simon valued the access. The woman valued the presence. Don't lose the value of his presence simply because you have access. It was a cultural thing of the time that at feasts and parties the door was open so that the poor, the beggars, the homeless, they could come in and have access to the leftovers and the scraps even to the point of competing with the host dogs for scraps if need be. That's why my closing point is this that Jesus is worth it all. And in this story this woman who comes and pours out her worship because she values the presence of Jesus above all else. Understand this, without Jesus, the most she would have walked away with that day was scraps dogs had fought over. But because of Jesus, she walked away hearing this, your sins are forgiven, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The open door only had value because Jesus was there. And because Jesus was there, this woman with her horrible reputation and littered past was able to not just access Jesus, but rightly worship him. And because she worshiped him, beaten and broken, as life had her, she was saved. The door was open, Jesus was there, she was saved. My mom's life was saved because of an open door. This morning, your life can be saved by the access that we have to Jesus. Scripture tells us this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. I want you to hear me this morning. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, I don't care what's in your past that's chasing you or weighing you down. I know this, you might not be righteous now, but if you run to Jesus, if you come to him and you declare him Lord and Savior, the door is open for you to walk through and be utterly transformed from death to life because you ran to Jesus, the strong tower, and you were saved. Jesus can save you. No matter what's in your past, Jesus can save you. Jesus can redeem, heal, and restore your past. If this woman that Scripture makes sure to identify as a sinner can walk into the presence of Jesus, surrounded by Pharisees, and hear... Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You can have the very same thing this morning. There is nothing in your past that disqualifies you from the all-sufficient grace that Jesus died and rise for that you might have it. But honestly, this morning, church, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back because in talking about worship, I want to make sure that we have the opportunity to close just Maybe we showed up to church and we woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning and we didn't value the presence. Instead, we were focused on me, myself, and I because the coffee didn't work. I didn't get enough sleep. That person cut me off. How dare they? And here we are in church and we look like we've been sucking on lemons all morning says in his presence there's fullness of joy and there you are arms folded because something happened this morning listen there is nothing bad enough or good enough that should ever get in the way of our praise and worship of Jesus and so i want to ask you to stand with me this morning because the worship team is we're going to play that song again isn't the name of Jesus wonderful but before we do before we do I'm I'm switching the order in which we respond things. Usually it's the, the salvation call first and those who don't know Jesus. But the reality is, having grown up in church, believers, I think we can be honest with each other. There's a few Sunday mornings where we don't get our worship right because we're upset about something or we're hung up on something and we've lost sight of Jesus. We don't value his presence Maybe we're just so out of it or so sour or something. We're the Pharisee that the poor person has to walk in front of just because Jesus is here. Maybe that's you. Maybe your worship is only defined when your preferences are fulfilled. Well, I like that song, so I'm going to worship harder. But this song I don't like, so I'm not going to worship. It might be preferences that need to be bent to the submission of Jesus this morning. It might be that just today was a tough day and you couldn't get into worship. I would feel remiss if we did a message on worship and we didn't have one more time to come together as a church and say, Lord, I got it wrong this morning. I didn't value your presence. I was a little bit stuck on myself, but now Lord, I'm fixing my eyes on you. The author, the finisher, perfector of my faith and i want to worship you the way that you deserve that all of my past all of the shame all of the pain and all of the regret the fact that you allow me into your presence and that I can come and I can wash your feet with oil and with my tears and wipe it with my hair. I think we need the opportunity to worship Jesus freely and passionately to close this service because it's very possible you walked in with the wrong perspective this morning. But I believe that as I was preaching that the Holy Spirit was starting to do a turnaround in some of your hearts and spirits to say, hey, your perspective was wrong when you came in. But listen, because Jesus is here, You don't have to walk out the same way you walked in. His presence is here to minister to us, to fill us. And so if you're here and you're empty this morning, I want you to know, He is the God of the refill. He will fill you to full and overflowing. All you gotta do is come say, Lord, I'm empty, I need you. And so before this song even starts, I'm not doing the the traditional call, I'm just saying this, if you know it's you. If you know it's you that just needs to say, Jesus, I just want to worship you for this five-minute song. I'm just going to value your presence and forget everything else. Maybe you want to wait until the worship team starts. But if that's you and you know, hey, I came in with the wrong perspective this morning. I didn't value his presence. Be like the woman. I don't care what the Pharisees think. I'm going where Jesus is. And I'm going to respond now to say, Lord, I'm here to give you the worship I should have given you in the first place. I'm going to value your presence And so if that's you, I just want to invite you as we sing to respond and to fill this altar with a call of response, of just saying, Lord... I may have gotten it wrong 45 minutes ago, an hour ago, but I want to get these five minutes right of just saying I'm forgetting about who's around me. I'm forgetting about what's on my back or what's breaking me. And I'm just coming to you, the one who heals, the one who restores, the one who liberates, the one who redeems. I'm coming to you because he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Let's worship together.